0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: HN Podcast with Miller and Dace. Talking a little NFL draft on this particular episode and some surprises for Iowa. I think there were some. We'll get into those right now. Steve, let's begin uh, where it began for the Iowa contingent in this draft. Three players drafted. James Daniels, uh, offensive lineman, went at 39 to the Chicago Bears in the second round. There were a lot of people speculating that he would uh, go in the first round, but I think uh, I, I think if, I think where he went is within the margin of error, if you will, based upon everything I'd seen written about him. And I think, you know, back in August, I would have been maybe surprised. Certainly at that high, I wasn't going to be surprised back then that he would be drafted. But as we discussed back in December uh in january when he made the announcement that he was going to declare for the draft i think we were both a little surprised given that maybe not a stellar year if you just focused on his tape or the success or lack thereof the offensive line but quickly there were a number of people who were very very high on him what do you think about that pick and also the fit with the bears for james
0: well if you would have told me that's where he went at the end of the year i would have said that's very deserved that that's probably where he deserves to go uh, you've got an you've got an injury history there. You have um, not a great season. Well, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but certainly, probably wasn't as as terrific as he would have hoped, and I would have hoped. But heading into the draft, if you'd have told me that's where he was going to go, I would have been surprised because, uh, I mean. He was a top 15, top 20 pick prospect. Every mock draft I saw, every uh, one I read, you know, I read a ton of those and follow a ton of them. Uh, so I'm not really sure exactly what happened there. Um, and, you know, there's, there's the difference between being, you know, 29th and 39th is an extra year in your contract. Uh, millions of dollars so it's more of a it's a bigger deal than people think right when, when i watch the when i watch the combine because if, if, if he's playing in iowa here's what you know uh, you know that the technique is there and you know that he's you know he's received as good a coaching because of who his head coach is as he would likely have received um any NFL franchise. So then it's just a matter of what, what for an Iowa lineman, what's his durability and and his particular ceiling from a talent perspective because they bring those other two factors to the table regardless of you know what their overall college resume is. And when I watched the combine and what's a what's a really strong year. I think I told you a couple weeks ago I thought this might have been the the strongest year I I can remember for interior offensive linemen and hit the athleticism he had on display. I I mean, you and I sitting there watching 80 linemen at the, at the NFL combine probably couldn't tell the difference with 65 of them just on their workouts alone, because we aren't trained for little nuances and, and things of that nature You know, So when when someone clearly stands out athletically, for you and I to be able to see that, especially on the television screen, indicates they're at a different level of athleticism. And I thought that weekend he was at a clearly different level of athleticism than any of the other interior offensive linemen, including Quentin Nelson, who was one of my favorites in the draft. And it's funny, I think I said on our podcast last week, If you just like watching people get their ass beat, just go watch Quentin Nelson tape on YouTube. And that's exactly what they said during the NFL draft coverage this past weekend. So I think it's a really good pick for the Bears. Uh, They're they're a franchise that has been struggling for several years to try and rebuild their offensive line and can never quite get it right. And what you love about James Daniels is he is – Probably not as as good of a pure center as the guy is Ragnow at Arkansas or Billy Price at Ohio State, but he's really good. And he can also play guard in the NFL really good. So you have scheme and position versatility. You've got off-the-charts athleticism. And, you know, if if that knee holds up, then if you're a Bears fan, you have to be really ecstatic with that pick.
1: Then just a few picks later at uh, Daniels went 39th, Josh Jackson went in the second round at 45th. Another player that a lot of people were talking about a potential first-round grade, led the nation in interceptions last year, really came out of nowhere to be a first-team in consensus All-American, and uh, I think he had a lot of great film uh, to show out there. What do you think of him maybe falling to 45th and then his fit with the Green Bay Packers?
0: Well, I'm not surprised that he didn't go in the first round. Uh, I think we predicted that, or at least I predicted that I am after the Ohio ago. State
1: guy went like, you know, what, fourth?
0: Well, here's why. If, if you if you look at um, both Denzel Ward and Jair Jackson at, at Louisville, who went ahead of him at corner, those guys are, are the same player. 5'10", 5'11", 190, 195 pounds, and it's not a coincidence they went earlier because, again, it comes down to scheme and position versatility in that when you're facing so many three wide receiver sets in the NFL, you can put those guys inside against slot receivers and nickel coverages so that even if they're not ready to play um, week one or really ready to start, they can still have a role on a football team. Josh Jackson, I think, is a really good NFL prospect. And five or ten years ago, I think it's possible he could have been a top ten overall pick. Because when you're running in the—when you can run, hit the, the four fives at his size and with his ball uh, ball skills, that was a much higher commodity in the NFL than it is now. the The, the, the liberalization of— pass interference rules along with the advent of spread passing attacks you know if you look at the two teams we saw in the super bowl back in february you essentially have the tampa you have the the new england patriots who who run what we call in college an air raid and you have the philadelphia eagles who run what we call in college an rpo i mean look like a college football game when you watch that super bowl and so what that does with a guy like a josh jackson well, Steve, you had all these picks last year in college football. You can also be a lot more physical with receivers in college football than you can in the NFL. And I've talked along that he was a guy that was going to have to go to a very specific scheme that played his style of coverage, and there aren't a lot of teams that do that right now in the NFL. You look at Maurice Hurst at Michigan, on top of the heart issue, even and those are two guys that were – arguably the two best players in all of college football at their positions and had first-round grades in terms of just pure talent and pro football focus left both of them. But even if you take the heart issue off the table, if that wasn't an issue for Mo Hurst, yeah, 5, 10, 15 years ago when most teams ran a 4-3, a one-gap penetrator with a Warren Sap like get-off, like Maurice Hurst who just wrecks you before the quarterback's back in a five-step drop. Is probably a top ten pick, maybe higher, but there's not a lot of teams that play that right now in the NFL. Again, because you're seeing more of the college offenses come into to the to the pro game, more gap integrity, more. Uh, you want you, you, there aren't really a lot of pure four three and three four teams in the NFL, and so both Josh Jackson and Maurice Hurst are all American players from the Big Ten, who even in ideal situations. We're kind of gonna get squeezed a little bit because of the amount of franchises in the NFL that play to their more traditional skill sets of what the NFL's been looking for in the past aren't as plentiful as they have been in years past. Now that being said, I love the franchise he went to in the Packers. Because the Packers went ahead and they drafted that a Jair they drafted Jair Alexander in round one, and then they come back with Josh Jackson in round two, which means now that they can give you a several different looks in their secondary with two guys that are totally and completely different. is You can kick Jair Alexander inside against slot receivers, keep Josh Jackson on the outside. They drafted a kid from Washington. A lot of people were very high on last year in Kenny King. And so you can see the, the Packers, whose secondary has been a sieve for the last couple of seasons, what they've done with the last couple of drafts is they're really trying to address it. And they've got three guys that are, you know, Kenny King's probably a combo of those two. Jair Alexander is your is your Denzel Ward type. And then you have Josh Jackson, who's sort of your Richard Sherman type of a corner. And so they've, they've really addressed it with every conceivable body type and, and, and playing style. So if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, you've got to be excited about that. And if you're Josh Jackson, you look at the recent history of uh, Green Bay Packers and, uh, and and Iowa Hawkeyes. You have to feel pretty good about that.
1: You, know, you talked about the rules being different. Now, I wouldn't necessarily consider Jackson as a jam and chase corner. He was physical in the open field, did a good job in run coverage, but I wouldn't... I, I, I'm not going to remember Josh Jackson as being somebody that just jammed you hard at the line and took you off your routes uh, and, and, and chased. I, maybe, maybe I'm a little higher on him in, in coverage. And I'm not saying that you're not but i I, I don't think he's a jim and chase guy
0: I don't either because I actually watched his games. I think what happens a lot with NFL the NFL has it's it's very interesting the the NFL John in that it is slow to change while at the same time once it does there's a real um there's a real pack me too mentality in the nfl and so i think i i i I mean i've just i watched i've watched this so closely most of my life as an as a as a would-be draft nick that i really think a lot of nfl um a lot of nfl scouts just took a look at josh jackson's body type and immediate and they do this with every position and everybody type and sort of lock you in to, well, here's how this fits in the way we do things. And you even see this when you watch, you know, I love the NFL networks, NFL draft coverage with Mike Mayock, but that they have a pro comp, you know, when a player gets drafted, they tell you who every, every guy has a, right. has a comp of who sure, he is. We all NFL. want that. And, and that's, you know, that's where, well, you know, um, josh allen the wyoming quarterback and you know well you know um big strong-armed guy lack of accuracy so you know this and and he's white so this must be ryan leaf actually josh allen's skill set is much more similar to cam newton's his overall physical package athleticism is much more similar to cam newton's than it is josh allen Uh, I'm sorry. Than it is uh, Ryan Leaf again, but we just fit people into boxes. I think this is one of the issues with more with uh, uh, with um, Josh Jackson um, or not Josh Jackson, but uh, the Lamar Alexander Mm, Uh, or Lamar Jackson. I'm sorry, the quarterback at Louisville. That's why they wanted to run. This is what Lamar Jackson got wrong, and I think if he had run a 40, he would have gotten picked higher than the last pick in the first round. He says, "I don't want to run a 40." because, you know, there's some leaked reports about people asking you to know, work in another position and the whole black quarterback thing. Well, you know, Vince Young, Achilles Smith, Donovan McNabb, these guys will ask, this isn't, you're not Doug Williams, this is an 88, man. They asked all, Tim Tebow got asked to switch positions. They asked guys to work out at different positions all the time. The reason why the NFL wanted Lamar Jackson, uh, to, to everybody wanted him to run a 40, is because his, his, game is more Mike Vick. His body looks more like Mike Vick. He's like a taller Michael Vick. He's not as physical as Vince Young. So when you've got four, or five, 250-pound linebackers coming up in space and, and hit you, they want to know if you can take a hit. Well, you don't look like Vince Young, so they need to know if you can run like Michael Vick. And why do they think like Because if you can run like Michael Vick, then you can avoid the hit. But again, that's the NFL scouting process is about minimizing risk so people will get fired for bad picks. Mm -hmm. And so they have a tendency to lock people in to preconceived notions and and precedents all the time.
1: Fourth round, day three, uh, Josie Jewell, 109th pick by the Denver Broncos. Really cool Instagram post that Josie made showing pictures of him as a little boy wearing a Denver Broncos helmet and hat. and So that's pretty cool. Uh, What do you think? I, I think fourth round for him was about on the higher end of expectations or at least based upon the uh mock drafts i saw do you think that you think denver got better than the 109th best uh quote-unquote 109th best player in the draft and what do you think of the fit there
0: i think it's like when um uh, who was the guy that was at texas tech and was a when we were kids and was a tackling machine and you know didn't have off the charts athleticism and then got drafted to my miami dolphins and was a Mike linebacker for them for ten years, Zach something to his name, Thomas um, no. Zach Thomas. I think it's that situation, similar to Josh Jackson. Josie Jewell plays a position that's not as premium in college in the NFL as it used to be. That you know that true Mike linebacker, right? Mo- most of your linebackers in the NFL now are box linebackers, meaning guys that could that if you play an odd man or an even man front, can play anywhere in the box. Like a like a Roquan Smith. I know Bears fans are all excited. We drafted him. We got another Brian Urlacher. I love Roquan Smith. He could even be as good as Brian Urlacher, but it won't be playing like Brian Urlacher. He's not the two hundred and forty-five pound thumper that you put there like in Mike Singletary's day in the middle of a defense. That 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 and, and he is a in the box linebacker. Roquan Smith plays three out of the four spots depending on an odd or an even man front. What do we mean by odd or even man front? We mean a four-three or a three-four. That's what we mean. Four is an odd, even number. Three is an odd number. And so, if you're an in the box linebacker, it means it means if it's a four-three team, you can play uh, either the, the you can play one of the outside slots and the uh, or if you're a four-three team, you can play all three of the slots. If you're a three-four team or an odd man front, you can play three of the four slots. And the fourth slot there is usually a bigger guy who can rush the passer coming off the edge. All right, so Tremaine Edmonds at Virginia Tech, another inside-the-box linebacker. Those are the guys that win the first round. And Josie Jewell, tremendous um, uh, production in college, but really a one-position linebacker. And so that even, even if he had not run a 4.8 at the combine, if he had run a 4.65, that was still gonna he still wasn't gonna go in the first round. He was probably gonna go in the second round because again he he only plays one position. But he plays it so well and he play and he's going to a team where they can afford the luxury of him just playing that one inside or Mike linebacker position. I, I think he could play for ten years.
1: All right, that would conclude the players that were drafted from Iowa this year. University of Iowa. Undrafted free agents, um, Let's just start with Akram Wadley. He signed with the Titans. And I tweeted this out. And, you know, Alan Lazard, very successful, highly productive wide receiver for Iowa State. You and I were involved in the same text somebody talked about couldn't believe that Wadley and Lazard didn't get drafted. And I said that I'm more surprised that Lazard didn't get drafted than Wadley. And if we would have been talking about this in August, I would have thought that Wadley would have gotten drafted. And Wadley had probably overall a better year as a senior than he did as a junior. He had to carry the load. Uh, You you mentioned this two or three different times during the course of the last year and a half at how just get that guy the ball because he can take over a game, which Iowa hasn't had very many players like that uh, in the last 20 to 40 years, frankly. Uh, He didn't get drafted. What do you think about that?
0: Um, Stunning. Both him and Lazard are stunning. And uh, regarding Lazard, if you would have told me, similar to Josh Jackson, very similar body type. And – and so when he could hit four five, even if it was four five nine, when he could hit four five on a forty yard uh, dash, with Lazard's production, hands, ball skills, etc. Uh, and there's there's a reason why we know him. But when was the last time, you know, anybody at Iowa State was and every draft nicked and and you know both ESPN and the NFL networks shocked of being undrafted so i think that goes to show how much everybody thought for sure he was going to be picked akram wadley if you go back to where he was coming into the year we had a first round grade coming into the season and he had injuries in his offensive line breaking in a new quarterback the schedule rotation um tougher uh than it was the previous couple of years with with what iowa played and and He essentially had to carry the load, and then you look at the ways that Iowa that he was able to be a difference maker, besides just lining up five yards or seven yards deep in the backfield, and um, you know running downhill in Iowa's own blocking scheme, where we've seen a lot of running backs who didn't really have much of a NFL future, going back to the Fred Russell. You know, Liddell Betts era that, you know, were able to still be highly productive running backs, even though they never did much in the NFL. But the way this guy could catch the ball out of the backfield and blow people up in space. And when you look at, again, this is a case where I think the evolution of an. We've talked twice now how the latest iterations of how the NFL has evolved. Sort of worked against Josie Jewell and Josh Jackson, despite how how highly productive they were in college. This is a case where it should have worked for Akram Wadley. So much of the NFL now sub packaging, matchup games, the ability to get you know I know he ran only like a four five two or so in the forty. That's the most overrated stat though for a running back mm-hmm. in the NFL. You almost never run forty yards to begin with. I mean, his first step, the, his ankle-breaking ability, his hands catching the ball down the field and taking advantage of that in space, um, I mean, that's... that's the, the, the current evolution of the NFL should have worked more in his, his favor. Advantage.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Steve, so I'm going
0: to ask an uncomfortable question. I, I know he spent some time early in his career in Ferrance's doghouse. This was an exceedingly deep d- draft for running backs. Is there something there we don't know about? Could that be what? Could that be what happened here? Because ESPN even sent cameras to his home, anticipating he was going to get drafted. Yeah, and he did not. So, I, is there something we don't know about that came up in his background?
1: I just, not, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say so. I mean, like you know, when when DJK didn't get drafted, I think a lot of people wondered. Well, I, I, I doubt that it was a, uh, you know, a glowing. Uh, <laughs> You know, checking checking sources and speaking with your former employer type of interview on the phone. I don't think that's the case with Akram. I, I think Akram got with the program, so to speak. Did everything they asked of him. I, I don't think there's anything like that. I, I don't know anything about his personal life because I agree with you in, in in this iteration and evolution of the NFL. A guy with his skill set would seem to be in demand. The only thing I can think of, and you have to tell me, Steve, if this is. Not as big a deal is when you look, he's not an every down back. He's a situational back, series mm-hmm. here, series there, maybe certain down and distance. He's not a very good blocker. So, you know, does that, you might want him to come in on third and pass, but he's not a guy that can stay in there and block for you. So, you're talking about a guy that gives you a tell that when he's in the game, you pretty much know he's not going to be staying in and blocking NFL linebackers and linemen because he couldn't do it very well at the college level. That's all I can think of, but to not get drafted entirely, almost seems like that's a bit of a reach.
0: Especially because you know who he reminds me a lot of? is Theo Riddick from my Detroit Lions out of Notre Dame. And, you know, Theo Riddick's the guy, whenever he's in the game, everybody knows we're passing the ball. But, he is an exceptional receiver out of the backfield. The quick twitch ability, the make-you-miss ability Theo Riddick has, I think Akron Wadley possesses. I I think it's as as noticeable a make-you-miss ability as I thought uh, any running back in this draft class has because we've seen it. We've seen it on the field the last couple of years. And you're right in terms of why a guy doesn't get maybe picked on the first or second day. Particularly in a in a deep year for your position, but I, I also think we're not talking about the typical guy. That when you think of what you're talking about, you might think of a a guy coming out of more of a spread system, and uh, you know you're not really sure how physical he can carry the ball at the NFL level. This guy was you know was the man at Iowa where he was asked uh, despite those things to carry the load from an NFL perspective. So, I mean, he's
1: had a lot of reps. Lot, he's had a lot of time. Yeah. To do it.
0: we it. yeah, this isn't a guy at conference USA. This isn't a guy, you know, at, at some spread spread offense in Tulsa. We, we've seen him do this at Iowa uh, in a very, in one of the most physical leagues in the country. And, and, you know, there's a lot of arrogance with NFL position coaches, so a lot of them are going to, a lot of them are going to look at like a guy at a guy like Wadley in the past and say, "Man, I can't coach that ankle breaking ability. that's just something the good Lord gives you. I can make a kid pass block. I can force him to do that, particularly when that's the difference between whether he gets a paycheck or whether he's saying you want fries with that next month. I mean that's sort of the mentality of an NFL position coach that that might be the reason why you don't get to be a first round grade at running back. But it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily talk about when you have all the other – the talents that Wadley brings to the table doesn't tell me why you go undrafted. That's why I have to wonder if there's something we don't know in this background. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, maybe I was just as surprised, if not more surprised, that Sean Wells didn't get picked up late. He went uh, undrafted free agent contract with the Washington Redskins. Just at times a dominant interior lineman. Um. You know very public about his battles with depression I can't I, I don't know I, I think that's a that's a pretty valuable undrafted free agent I'll be surprised if he doesn't make a fifty three man roster
0: agree and I think in his situation because of what you said at the end, once we got past round five if I were him, I would have probably been rooting not to get drafted right and where I can I can get on the phone get re-recruited because I have tape. And what I really want people to see is my junior year tape. You know what's really odd? And I could point out a few players that this has happened to. When you make position sacrifices for your team, what I've seen in recent years in the NFL is that's actually hurt kids. When when you are willing to make a position sacrifice, play out of position for your team— um, I think I I could point to several specific. I could point to Jabril Peppers at my favorite team, for example. This is hurting players more than you would think, where you would think a lot of NFL teams would be like, and wow, I mean, look what the guy, you know, with money on the line and everything else was willing to switch positions and and do what his team wanted him to do. Does
1: it expose weaknesses that you might not otherwise see?
0: It does, particularly because Welsh also did it in a year, like we said a few minutes ago with James Daniels. This was the deepest draft I can ever remember for interior linemen. And that's where he shined the best. And suddenly there's a whole bunch of tape now of him playing out of position at tackle where he doesn't have the 37-inch arms I'm guessing you're looking for at a tackle where he can just reach out with those speed rushers and we get some point of contact with them. But he's got more of that traditional guard body. Yeah, he's not a dancing bear. yeah, so he's kind of out, he's he's in no man's land where he's not physical enough just to reach his arms out there and slow you down, but he also isn't maybe quick enough uh, to get out there around the outside against speed rushers, and so maybe you get exposed. So uh, And then you throw in the, the depression thing. I, some teams could treat that, frankly, as a medical and take that off their board. Um, and so I I think he probably, after round five, Got the best situation was don't get picked get re-recruited and get on the phone and you can listen to uh, find out if a team's really interested in you or not because he does have the sort of film that from his junior year that looks like a 10-year pro the kind of guy that gets picked in the third fourth or fifth round and last 10 years in the nfl
1: um ike becker to buffalo boone myers to the ravens and ben neiman to the chiefs all as undrafted free agents
0: when well, you look at the Bills, you have a new front office there, um, a new approach there, trying to rebuild the franchise. So you'll get a fresh set of eyes there. The Ravens have, you know, for years, one of the best front office uh, head coach combinations in the NFL with Ozzie Newsom and uh, and John Harbaugh. Although this is Ozzie Newsom's last draft. I think he's retiring um, either before or after this coming season. But that's a franchise that, uh, and also is going to know Big Ten football players because the head coach there's the brother of a Big Ten football coach. So that's a that's a pot that's a that's a spot where you'll get a long and a good look and an opportunity to to prove yourself. And then you're going to the Chiefs. I think was the other team you mentioned. Neiman, yeah, Neiman with with, with Andy Reid, who loves toughness, um, loves guys that can grind and has given more than a low round or undrafted free agent more than his share of guys both with the Eagles and now with the Chiefs chances to earn a, 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 their place and approve themselves so um, you know the Buffalo situation's a wild card with a new front office but when you talk about the Ravens and the Chiefs and you look at the backgrounds of their front offices and their head coaches. Those are good positions to go and try and make a an earn a roster spot as an undrafted free agent.
1: And uh, Matt Vandenberg and James Butler will get tryouts this week with the Jets, and Butler will also have one with the Redskins. And before we end, you'd mentioned something in an email to me as we were going to talk about this. Um what these draft picks say about the program. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, I think what what you what you see, and you see this with every team. Of, of what what's the NFL telling you about your program? What are they telling you about your team? And well,
1: yeah. I mean this team's a what, off- offensive o- offense, This team's a tough, grinded out offensive line and hard nosed defensive team. I mean, uh, yeah, but that you know they've got three players drafted. They've had more. A pretty solid group of undrafted free agents, I think, that have decent chances to make it. Not all of them will. Uh, Two of the five, I think, for sure. Maybe even three of the five. So that would be, if they get three of five, that would be six guys on rosters next year from this team. Um, You know, Wisconsin had five players drafted in this particular draft. So I don't know. I I don't know.
0: Some... And, and when I say that, the message didn't it didn't necessarily mean the message is bad. You could be NC State. The NFL just said to NC State, you had your most talented team you've ever had. And um, they were in the Sun Bowl. <laughs> okay? So when you have the most talented team the NFL's ever said you have ever had as a school and you're in the Sun Bowl, then the NFL's telling you as a fan, your coaching staff's Good news, they're getting you a a better level of talent than you've ever had before. And the bad news is, uh, they're not winning enough and developing Mm -hmm. them enough. Okay, when you're in the Sun Bowl with the most talented team you've ever had, what what the I think what the NFL Mm -hmm. is telling Iowa this past year is that you had a typical Iowa football team. Yeah, and you and and you did it without, um, and you didn't. And from the NFL's perspective. You didn't really have you didn't have that um, one, you know, elite prospect, particularly in the offensive line that the NFL has coveted in years past, and so the NFL is telling you Iowa was pretty much the team we saw during the year. Injuries in the offensive line hurt the status of Welsh and Daniels, um, and then. Uh, uh, the guy that shined on Josh Jackson kind of came out of nowhere. And if i had have told you Josh Jackson was a second round pick before the start of the year, you'd have been like, wow, that guy really flashed. Now we're yeah. kind of disappointed. Right. You know, yeah. um, or you would have said, what's a Josh Jackson. All right. So there's that. Uh, and that Josie Jewell is was a guy that, you know, uh, got the most came to Iowa and got the most out of the God given ability he had that could have possibly been asked for uh, to develop himself into a guy that has a chance to one of the premier franchises in the NFL to stick with them and maybe even be a starter day one. So what what you learn from the NFL draft, and every year it's something new what the NFL draft is telling you about your program and what they're telling us about Iowa this year is, with the exception of the mystifying not drafting of Akron Wadley, is Iowa, as the great prophet Denny Green, who's an Iowa grad, by the way, once said, they are who we thought they were.
1: Indeed. That'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. For Steve I'm John, we'll talk to you soon.